0: amen first sunday of december also be doing communion that day all right let's go ahead and get into the word luke chapter 16 uh let's go ahead and pray and then we're going to get right on into the word tonight hallelujah heavenly father we bless you this day we thank you lord for the opportunity to come back into your house tonight lord we thank you for the sweet holy presence lord in this place Lord, we know, Father, that you're that you're good, and Lord, we thank you for that goodness, Lord, that's available to us. We thank you for that sweet presence in here tonight, Lord. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, that you're at that door knocking, and Lord, your desires to come in and to sup with us, Lord. We pray that you would remind us of those of those eternal truths and. Lord, we ask, Father, tonight as we turn our hearts to the Word, that you would anoint the Word, Lord, to do what you desire it to do. I ask, Father, for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire, and Lord, we ask for that anointing to hear and receive all that the Spirit is speaking this night. Lord, we ask it in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus Christ, everybody says. Well, glory to God. Luke chapter 16, we're going to be beginning in verse number 13, Jesus says, he's talking to uh, the, the Pharisees here. He says in verse number 13, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon. Now, a lot of times we don't even, you know, talk too much about mammon, but the mammon represents the way of the world. He just kind of contrasted his servants using the the money of the world to try to survive. And and he's saying, but you can't serve two masters. You're going to have to serve God or you're going to serve the world, but you can't do both because there's going to come a time. How many of you know this? There's going to come a time. If you try to walk that fine line Of pleasing God and men at the same time that you're going to run up against a wall. Because there's going to come a time where men will go with you so far, they'll go with you with the cupcake verses. They'll go with you for a little bit about some blessings. They'll go with you for a little bit about some of the things that God may give them. But once you come up into the deep things of God, there's going to come a, a, a why in the road. The, the world's going to go one way and God's going another way. God said it this way. He said, if you make yourself a friend of the world, You've made yourself an enemy of God. There's enmity between God and the world, and we need, sometimes as the church, we need to take a step back and say, you know what, there is and always will be conflict between my God and this world. There is and always will be until the Lord brings this thing down. Until the Lord recreates this thing, until the Lord puts this thing under his thumb, this world is in rebellion to God. And one of the things that we as the church sometimes get uh, uh, are guilty of is we try to please men and we try to please God at the same time. And, and Jesus here says you can't serve two masters. There will come a time when you're going to come up against something. Daniel did that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three Hebrew boys, they did that. You see, they they worshiped God, and when a law of man, when a law of the world came against God's law, they chose God above the world. Amen? And you know, sometimes in our lives, we we need to be reminded of that. If we try to please both the world and God, we're going to end up failing and frustrated. Many people today, I want to tell you this, many people today are frustrated in their Christian walk. And I want to tell you it's because a lot of people are man pleasers. Nothing will make you more frustrated than being a man pleaser. You know why? Because men are never satisfied. The only thing that can satisfy you is God. The only thing that can satisfy you is God. You you get somebody to do this for you, next time you want more of that. You get somebody to do that for you, next time you want more of that. You're never satisfied with the things of the world. The things of the world were never created to satisfy us. There's one thing that God made to satisfy us, and that's his presence. His presence is supposed to be what satisfies our soul. The longing of our soul is supposed to be the presence of God. Sometimes we fail and we we forget that, but we need to listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what Jesus says. You can't serve both. Period. The many people today, they stretch themselves out too far. We call it burning the candle at both ends. We try to serve the things of this life and serve the things of the world and keep uh, 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 things going right on the religious side. But Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. Sometimes the Lord will let you fly under the radar for a little while having a divided heart. But God will put his finger on it because God's a jealous God. And he won't put up, come on, with running second in any person's life. He won't put up with running second best or co-pilot in anybody's life. He'll let you go for a little bit, but he'll put his finger on it. And he'll say, It's time to come out of that. It's time to come out of that. Now you know what that is, but some of us we have we we have things with Our jobs, we have things with bank, we have things with politics, we have things with with family situations, life situations, Uh, you know, our boss on our job. We have situations that we involve ourselves in, and every single sphere of life that we're involved in, we can honor God first and foremost, amen? And God calls us to honor him first and foremost. Before I honor my wife, I've got to honor God. If I ever choose her over him, I'm on dangerous ground. If I ever choose my grandma over, over my God, I'm on dangerous ground. If I ever choose my child over God, I'm on dangerous ground. If I choose my job over God, I'm on dangerous ground. And if I choose Republicans or Democrats over God, I'm on dangerous ground. And many people today are on dangerous ground because they've chosen Republicans or Democrats or mom or child or husband or wife or job above God. And we are on dangerous ground when we do that because God said you cannot serve two masters. You have to choose who your master is. And many people today, their master is their politician. Their master is who's going to put money in their 401k. Their master is who's going to give them health insurance. Their master is who's going to love them, who's going to take care of them. Their master is things of the world. And God said, if you love this world, come on now, if you love this world, the love of the Father is not in you. He said, if you love this world, the love of the Father is not in you. And we need to understand this reality tonight. If we try and attempt to serve two masters, we will not only fail, but we will be frustrated in the process. Many people today are living a frustrated life because they have served two masters, and you can't do that. God will not be dishonored in this world. God will not be dishonored in this world. He will expose it. He will pull it out. He will put his finger on it. I want to tell you this, because God loves you. He loves you. He's going to put his finger on it. When you have a divided house inside you, when you love the world, the things of the world, the the way of the world, the money of the world, the politics of the world, and you have this thing with God, God's jealous. And he loves you. And he will do what he needs to do to get those things uprooted out of your life. And I believe many people in the church world need to get some stuff uprooted out of their life so that God can kind of get that firm foundation planted in us. I want to tell you that there are things coming on the world today that the church needs to get its firm foundation back again. We need to get back on the rock of Jesus Christ, him crucified, him resurrected, and the Holy Ghost coming down in power and victory. For the church today, God's called the church to walk in victory, not to meander, not to have carnivals, not to have festivals. God's called the church to live a triumphant, victorious life, and we're not going to do that with a divided heart. We're not going to do that serving two masters. We're not going to do that trying to please men and God at the same time. You just can't juggle those balls. Amen. You just can't juggle those balls some of us we need to get this right cuz i want to tell you i want to tell you something the the if you put your faith in men they will fail you every time every time but if you put your faith in God, He will never let you down. God will be there for you when no one else is there for you. There will be times in life when people die; they go to the grave. Other people will leave you, forsake you, turn their back on you, despise you, reject you. They will—they uh, uh, will be vengeful towards you. But God will have your back. God said, "Come on now." God said, "Vengeance is mine; vengeance belongs to the Lord. He has the back of His children." If you will have the faith and the courage to trust God in every circumstance, in every situation, God will, come on now, God will have your back. But you've got to have that faith. You've got to put your trust in God and stop playing both sides of the fence. You've got to stop playing both sides of the fence. God's looking for people that are sold out, filled up, ready, willing, and able to go wherever God wants them to go. Sometimes God will have you go and and, and apologize to somebody. Sometimes God will have you go and, and rebuke somebody. Sometimes God will have you go and humble yourself before somebody and wash their feet. Sometimes God will call you to do certain things, but you've got to be ready, willing, and able to do whatever God calls you to do and not worry about how it looks to men amen I want to tell you when God saved me I don't care what people thought well after I after I got touched by God I knew who my God was I'm not ashamed of my God I was the first one in the door when it opened when that when come on now when when they started singing worship songs I was at the altar they didn't even have to say altars are open if my pastor was like that if we're in church the altars are open amen And you don't have to ask me twice. I'm going to that altar. I don't care who sees me cry. I don't see who cares. I don't see. I don't care because I want to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. Amen. I'm not ashamed of my love for Jesus. I'm not ashamed of him. You know why? He hung on that cross. They shamed him. They mocked him. They despised him. They rebuked him. They plucked out his beard. They put a crown of thorns on his head to mock him. His blood was running down his face. And they were saying, if you're the son of God, come off that cross. He didn't care about the shame. He hung there naked, humiliated, bearing my sin because the joy, come on, that was before him was me and you. And he endured the shame of the cross he despised the shame of the cross for what was before him and that was you he was purchasing you he loved you and he bore the shame of the world he bore that shame he went through that shame he didn't care what they thought about him and you talk to a lot of people today oh if somebody talks bad about me they flipped me off or they did this they did that oh I can't do that anymore you know what? The best thing you could ever do is be flipped off for Jesus. because Come on now. Because you know what? If the world thinks high of you, you might not be walking with God very closely. If the world is speaking well of you, you may not be right with God very much. Because when you start walking with God, you're going to run against the grain of the world. Amen? We used to raise pigs and, you know, you could pet a pig one way and it was smooth. But if you go back the other way, it was coarse. Boom, 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 boom. And, you know, when you're walking with God, it's the same way. We we expect when we're walking with God, it's just going to be roses. I like what Brother Raymond said. He didn't promise us roses all the way, but roses along the way. Amen. It's roses along the way. Well, When you're walking with God, it's not rosy all the time. It's just every now and then when you need it, God will have a rose there for you. But you need to know and expect this world to push back against your love for God. Amen. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Amen. The world needs to see the light of God in you. God has called you to be a light bearer in this world. The world, needs, the world is dark, and Jesus said you're supposed to be the salt and the light of the world. Now, last time I checked, if you're supposed to be the salt and the light, you need to be rubbing folks the wrong way and exposing their sin. Salt. If you've ever had a wound and you put salt in that wound, it rubs somebody the wrong way. Amen. It rubs somebody the wrong way. There's an hour of trial coming upon the church. Peter said it like this Judgment starts with the house of God. Judgment starts with the house of God. I want you to know Jesus is coming back for a pure bride. Jesus is not coming back for a divided house. Jesus is not coming back for stepchildren. He's not coming back for for a dirty bride. Jesus is coming back for a pure bride. Judgment starts with the house of God. I believe right now you're seeing before your eyes the great falling away, the great delusion. We're seeing inside of our churches sin in the camp. And God had not changed, but the church has. God's letting one side go to this side and the other side go to this side. And don't think it's your denomination that's safe. All denominations are having this delusion. It don't matter. They all are getting it. Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Assembly, it don't matter. they all getting into the delusion. There's a remnant in each one, and, and there's the infiltration in each one. This hour that we're in right now is critical. You're going to have to be like Joshua. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I will serve the Lord. Whatever it costs me, I'm going to serve God. I'm not going to bow the knee to a politician. I'm not going to bow the knee for a Republican or a Democrat. I'm not carrying the flag of a man. I'm not carrying the name of a man. I'm carrying the flag of Jesus Christ, the Lord God of glory. I'm going to magnify him. I'm going to glorify him. And I've listen, I've given my life to him. And God's looking for people that are sold out. God's looking for people that are sold out. Jesus said here, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. Look what, look what Jesus says in the next verse. This is Luke 16, verse 13, 14, and 15. Right after that, right after he said, You cannot serve God and mammon. He said, And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. You know, they're 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 Inside the church, there's religious hard hearts. You need to hear this. The, 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 the first demon that Jesus cast out was in that synagogue. God's going to clean. So just because somebody's in a church house don't mean they don't need to get an evil spirit cast out. And, some, and, and sometimes well, that's a whole nother sermon. But in some churches, if there ain't holiness in there, you might have a demonic infiltration in there. But it says the Pharisees, these were the religious, were covetous. And they heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, verse 15, You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your heart. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. You see, what Jesus is saying is, you justify yourself before men. You know how many believers today are justifying themselves before men? They will put themselves in a pretzel to try to hold on to a form of godliness and also be loved by folks that hate God. You will twist yourself in a pretzel, and you will bend over backwards trying to do this. And Jesus said, it can't be done. It can't be done. Notice what he says. You try to justify yourself before men. Oh, you know, it, it's just this. And, um, I, I, you know, it's a little bit old fashioned and it's that one of the things we need to recognize in the church world today is God's going to call the church back to holiness. And I, and I'm going to get in this, but I'm telling you right now, get used to the word holiness because God's going to bring the church back to holiness. I want to tell you why. It, in, in, in Paul's day, there was unholy. There was sexual, demonic activity, all kinds of things, but you know what? They also had goddesses. They had people that would worship goddess Diana, and Paul run roughshod over Diana. I mean, he obliterated the industry of worshiping these false gods and false idols. Well, we have people that bow down to statues today, but you know what? The battle that's going to come to the church right now is going to be a battle of Sexual sin. Sexual sin. It's coming. I mean they're 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 trying to warp our children to change genders chemically or medically, but you can't change their gender the way God created them. God created you either male or female, and it don't matter if you've put man tattooed over your forehead. If God made you woman, you're a woman until the day that you die, and you'll stand before God as a woman. You can tattoo man on your forehead, on your hand, over your shirt. You can do all that you want to do, but you'll be a woman when you stand before God. And men the same way. You're not changing genders. God made you the way he made you. Now, the, the reality is is we're, we're in a society today that is crumbling because it has rejected God at every turn. Even our churches have rejected God, but it's sexual sin that's coming in. Our churches have lowered the standard. We've allowed our pastors to cheat on their wives and run off with the piano player, and then pastor another church across the town. We've allowed these things in the camp of the God's people, and we're suffering for it now because we see it in our children's schools. We see it in the. We see it in society. You know, you can't watch movies right now. You can't watch TV right now without being infiltrated with ungodliness. Somebody's cheating on somebody. Somebody's homosexual. Somebody's... Somebody's this, somebody's that. We were even watching something supposed to be pure movies on pure flicks, and there was people drinking at a bar, a woman with her shirt halfway down. It's supposed to be a godly program. You can't even watch godly programs anymore because you don't know who's putting it out. But I want to tell you that that there's a battle coming in the church for sexual purity, and you need to understand what's coming because right now we're seeing, and and Brother Derek just sent this to me even today, but even the Methodist Church, they're dividing, breaking up, because some are embracing homosexuality, some are not. The Mormon Church, they're not a church, they're a cult, they serve a false god, but they, even they, this past week, are embracing homosexual marriage. Do you know why they're embracing it? Because Everybody that votes for Republicans needs to know this. Your Republican senators voted to uphold same-sex marriage just this past week. Amen. Everybody thinks the Republicans are the saviors and Democrats. You know, hey, they all voted for same-sex marriage. They all did. And they're going to make churches embrace it or lose this or lose that, lose their building. I don't care. I'm going to serve God, not this building. Amen. If that's what it takes, let them have the building. I'll get, look, here's the keys right here. Come get it. We're not, we, we not going to bow down to the way of men and dishonor our God. Amen. If that's what it comes down to, that's what it comes down to. But some people, they don't want to lose those keys to the buildings. They got too much invested in it. That's where they get their paychecks. That's where they got their retirement. That's where they get their, their fame, their notoriety. They get this and they get that. But you know what? I got Jesus. I'm not letting him go. I'm not letting go of my God. I got Jesus on the inside and there is nothing that this world has for me that I don't want. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Amen. But this, this day, that battle's coming to us. It is going to be sexual purity. I was thinking on that this past week. It is like Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was in over his head, but the Word of God says in, in the book of Peter that that righteous man, he vexed his righteous soul daily. That's one of my favorite scriptures. That What that means is it bothered him on the inside. He was never okay with it. He was never cool with it. He never went along with it. It vexed him. It troubled him. It, it was like a, a like I said earlier today, it was a burr in his saddle it was just always there and it was always bothering him you know what there's the things in the world today that you cannot let these things become common you cannot let these things become common. God said, listen, God said for a man to lie with a man is abomination to God. It doesn't matter if the Supreme Court, our governor, my mama, your mama, my daddy, your church, your elder, your pastor, it don't matter who says it's okay. God said it is abomination. That's one of the biggest battles coming to the church. He said man shall not lie with man and woman shall not lie with woman. You shall not lie with beast. That's another one coming. Sexual impurity is is a battle that is coming to the church and it's coming like a freight train. It's coming in like a flood. But my God will raise up a standard against it, and he's going to raise up a standard in you. He's going to put a little backbone inside his people. If you'll be sold out for God, he'll raise up a standard against the enemy. The enemy may be coming in like a flood, but my God's going to lift up a standard of holiness by his spirit in the church of Jesus Christ. God's going to do it. But you can you 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 can see right here these these Pharisees. It says in verse fifteen they justify themselves before men. And people today, ministers today, churches today are justifying while they're embracing this and while they're embracing that. Well, you know, Supreme Court said it's okay, and uh, Peppa Pig says it's okay, and you know, they they it's okay on this and it's okay on that. Nickelodeon's embracing it. You know, this, this shows embracing it. This shows. The 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 Mormon church is embracing it. The Methodist Church is embracing it. God's God don't change. God don't change. He don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was against it then, he's against it now, and he's not gonna change his mind. If he's gonna rewrite his book, I, I think you might have been you you, you might have been um on on the wrong TV channel. You might have been eating pizza with some kind of wrong pineapples and pepperonis or something because Jesus said that not one word of his not one word will be changed not one word not one jot not one tittle not one word if anybody adds to listen if anybody adds to or takes away from his word the curses will be on them we can't change his word it's not my word I didn't I didn't have a say so in it I wasn't there. I wasn't there at the council of God. I wasn't there when God was establishing these things. Neither were you. We weren't there. God was. He established these things before we were created. What we've got to do is say, Yes, Lord. Okay. And we've got to live for God, whatever the cost. Well, Lot, it cost him his wife. She looked back. Many people today are looking back. I don't know when God's going to bring judgment on America, but I'm telling you, we cannot continue to reject God. We cannot. God will bring judgment. He'll bring judgment through however means, through another nation or through the collapse from the inside. He might judge us through another pestilence, worse than the one we just went through. But God will judge us but God will preserve his people. God won't bring judgment on a people without preserving his people. It's a principle of God in Scripture. Now, let me show you something. It says here, this important part I want you to see. It says, the Pharisees, they justify, Jesus said, you are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. You know, you, you can justify yourself before men and throw out excuses. I was good at excuses. I, n- I never liked to do my homework when I was a kid, and I would always come up with an excuse. The dog ate my homework, and I was going to do it, but I couldn't do it. You know, We could come up with excuses and try to justify why things are, but you know what? You have two options. You can justify yourself to men or you can be justified by Jesus, but you cannot do both. You cannot do both. You've got to choose who justifies you. And I want to tell you, I need Jesus's justification. But I want to tell you, every person that's ever lived has sinned and comes short of God's glory. And every single one of us needs Jesus to justify us. We all need it. Okay. But he says in this next portion, he says, but God knows your hearts. That should scare most people. I I love that when somebody says that we we like to go share the gospel, you know, and sometimes people say, God knows my heart. That should scare you because there's some stuff that goes through your heart that you don't want anybody to know. God does know your heart. That should scare you. It says, but God knows your heart. Uh, For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Highly esteemed. The word esteem means value. Value. You know that, that the world values things that God doesn't value. Can I get a witness? The world values things that God doesn't value. God values things that the world despises. Jesus took illiterate, ignorant men. And made them apostles. He put the power of God upon them. He established them to write the, the word of God. And they did many miracles. They rose people from the dead. They they did all kinds of amazing miracles. And he didn't use the academic world. He didn't use the people that everyone else would run to. It's just like David and Saul. Saul had all the looks. When the people wanted to choose a king, they chose Saul because he looked right. He was from the right family. He had the right looks. He sounded right. But David had the right heart. God sees what no man can see. God honors what men despise. God's looking for people that will esteem him and not men. God's looking for that. And I love that. I love the fact that God will bypass the academic. He'll bypass the have-it-alls. If you'll have a heart for God, God will put his hand on you God will take you out of this situation and put you on a rock. God will take you out of the storm and he'll calm the raging sea. If you'll get a heart for God, God will put his hand upon your life and no man will be able to take the hand of God off. God said that no man can curse what God has blessed. If God puts his hand on your life, no man can take it off. But he's looking for people that are sold out that have a heart for him. Who do you esteem more, God or man? Turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Turn with me over there. I'm going to show you something over here. Psalm 119. It's the, if you're going to memorize the book of Psalms, this would be the one to start with, right? It's the longest. Psalm 119, I'm going to start in verse 126, verse 126. It says, it is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem all, somebody say all. I hope you're not a Calvinist because the word all means all, right? We, we want you to know that when God says all, he means all. Okay, when he says whosoever, he means whosoever. When Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come, he means anybody. It don't matter, red, yellow, black, or white, they're all precious in his sight. Whether you're a, 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 a pimp or a prostitute or whether you a thief or a murderer or a rapist, whether you just a liar or just a cold-hearted, mean-spirited person, Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come, and Jesus opened that way for you. And it don't matter who you are or where you come from, Jesus opened the door for you. You to be saved. And when he says all, he means all. He said, Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. I want to tell you that the, the child of God, the saint of God, has been called to love all. All God's laws, not the ones that are convenient. Not the ones that are convenient. You know, I've talked about some heavy stuff tonight because almost every person I know has got someone in their life or in their circle of friends that's a homosexual. And we're talking about heavy stuff. But I'm telling you, we've been called to love all of God's law, not just the one's convenience. Because come on, it's easy to say thou shalt not murder when you don't know any murderers. But it's another thing when you got family at your Thanksgiving dinner that are homosexuals that you know are an abomination to God. And God's called us to love them so much, to be willing to risk ridicule. They may mock us. They may shame us. They may slam the door on us. But I want to tell you that sometimes they need to know the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. We need to know the truth. I thank God for the time that God let me know I was a sinner. I was under a delusion that I was right with God because I grew up in a church environment, but I didn't know God more than a man in the moon. I thank God somehow, some way, the law of God pierced through the lies that I was under to make me realize I was lost, I was undone, I didn't know God more than that man in the moon, and I needed God. And I want you to know God loves these folks. God loves these folks, and they need to know God loves them, but they're wrong, and God's calling them to turn. God's calling them to repent. God wants to bring them in. God wants to bring them in. God's opened the door to bring them in, just like he opened the door to bring you in. God's opened the door to bring every person in. And I'm just picking on that one because I believe one of the biggest battles the church is going to face in these last days is sexual purity. It's coming. But he said, I esteem all. That that word esteem, again, that's the second time we've seen it in Scripture tonight. That word esteem means highly value. What you value is all of God's law. Sometimes it's easy to, to, to go with those things that are, that are convenient, but you know what? I need to love the law that challenges me as much as I love the ones that are easy. There are some scriptures that are so easy, you might even put them on a refrigerator magnet or something. I love that one, right? He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Whew, that's a, that, I like that one, right? But the one that says without holiness, no man will see the Lord. All right. Now the rubber going to meet the road. So I but I've been called to love God's law, all of it, not just the ones that I like that are easy, but even the ones that challenge me, even the ones that are convicting towards me. I've got to be the same according to God's law. I'm supposed to love all of it. I'm supposed to love all of it. I'm supposed to esteem all of it. Right. Are you with me? All right. Let me take you to Galatians chapter two. Galatians chapter two. Let's go over there. Hallelujah. God's talking tonight. God's talking tonight. Galatians chapter two is one of my favorite chapters. Paul, he was dealing with Peter. Just one of those things to show you, Peter was not the rock. He was not the first pope. The revelation that Peter had about Jesus was the rock. And on that same rock, Jesus builds your life. Amen. Jesus still building the church today on that same rock. Amen. Um, but, but Peter was corrected and, and, and he agreed, you know. But there's something that I want to get into that Paul said right after that. Because he's talking about how, you know, it's not the law that justifies us. And, and, And Paul was telling Peter, you know what? We're not justified before God because we're Jews. We're not justified before God because the law. If we're justified, let me say it like this. If me and you are right with him, if we're right with him, it's not because you kept the law. It's because Jesus kept the law. And you put your faith in him. You're you're in Christ or you're in danger. And, And the thing is, is when we're talking about being justified, it's how you are right with him. How are you right with him? And what makes you right with him is putting your faith in what he did on that thing right there. When he went to that cross right there, he bore your sin. He bore your transgression. He bore your failure. He bore your hell. That you deserved. He bore it. And on that cross, on that cross, when he was buried in that grave, our sins were buried with him. Hallelujah. My sin was buried with my Savior. And the story didn't stop there because he got out of that grave in a resurrected body. And now I've been granted the righteousness that he has. Amen. So we, we're not justified before God because we're Jews. We're not justified before God because we keep the law. We're justified before God because we put our faith in him. Now, let's read verse 17. We'll pick it up. I want you to see something in here. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Now. This is an interesting concept. It says, if we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I built again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to stop right there, move back into this verse, verse 17. I want you to see this. If you believe that you're justified by Christ, but you're also a sinner, you're in a delusion. You're in a delusion. You cannot remain justified and sinful. Now, it doesn't mean you don't mess up, but it's when you consciously commit sin and stay in it. You're not justified with Christ because you're not trusting Christ. It doesn't mean, like I said, it doesn't mean you don't mess up because sometimes we mess up, but we don't stay in it. We don't continue in it. We don't don't keep going in it. If we're justified by Christ, when we mess up, we realize and we confess those things. We confess those things. We agree with God on those things. And he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. But we can't do both. We can't do both. Notice what he said. If 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 you if you seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore the minister of sin? God forbid. So did He justify you? Did He let you put your faith in Him? He justified you before God. He cleared your past, let you go to heaven, and now you can do what you want, go where you want, live how you want, do what you want. No, God forbid. You were bought. You're not your own. You were bought, not with the blood of bulls or heifers, but the blood of Jesus Christ. You were bought with the price. You were, let me say it like this, you were purchased. The devil had you. The devil had you. He owned you. He led you here. He led you there. He ruined your life. He had you, but Jesus purchased you. He shed blood on that cross for you. I want you to know God is spirit. He doesn't have blood. He incarnated in flesh so that He could bleed. And He shed that holy blood on that cross to purchase you from the dominion of the devil. And that He did. He purchased you. And He says, Can you continue being justified by God and be a sinner? No, God forbid. God forbid. Look at, listen to this, verse 18. If I build again the things which I destroy. Now, Paul didn't destroy nothing, but his faith in Jesus did. His faith in Jesus did. David didn't kill nobody, but when he put that sling and he had that rock in that sling, it was the Holy Ghost that guided that thing right to the forehead of Goliath. Amen? Amen. It was the power of God. It was the hand of God. Paul didn't destroy nothing, but his faith in Jesus destroyed the dominion of the devil. There's things in our life that when you get right with God, God will turn on, you know, and there's, there's times God will, I, I remember there was a, a time in my life I thought, you know, I loved being rebuked because it just let me know I was still God's child. I, I just, I love it. You know, some people, they don't like to be rebuked. I do because I, I, it just lets me know I'm still a child of God because he loves me. He chastens those whom he loves. Hallelujah. chasten me, God, because I know you love me. Amen. But, you know, there's times in our life when God will begin to reveal to us. There was, you know, when I first got saved, God kind of let me slide on a couple of things. And then he began to reveal to me other stuff. And, you know, as you go with God, you just got to go with God. Amen. You got to go with God. Well, one of the things that we see here is he says, if, if I go back into, into known sin, what I'm doing is I'm building again what God destroyed When you came to Jesus, you came and he wiped you clean. That which was was stained with sin. Amen. Sometimes when we have communion, I'm like, be careful with those cups because it'll stain your clothes. And, you know, you get a little grape juice on on your nice clothes, it's going to be hard to get out. Sin's worse. Sin stains you. And there's only one thing that can get that stain out, and that's the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Though our sins were as scarlet, Isaiah says, will be made white as snow. And when you came to God, he took The blood of the Lamb, and He cleansed you and made you clean. You were right before God. You were justified before God. Your sin was gone as far as the east is from the west. God said, I'll remember it no more. Now, as a child of God that's been bought by the blood of the Lamb, God still gives you free will. He lets you go where you want to go. You can choose whom you want to serve. You can do this. You can do that. But God's called you. To not serve mammon, but to serve him. You cannot serve two masters. You've got to choose whom you'll serve. And if you go back to the world, you'll begin to build again the things that God done knocked down. And you wonder why you don't have the anointing. You wonder why you don't have this. You wonder why you don't have the power of God. You wonder this and you wonder that because God wants to give those things to you. The Holy Ghost is the gift to the church. God is is a good father, and he gives good gifts. But he's looking for clean vessels. He made that first church wait. Wait, pray, seek until you're endued with power from on high. I want to tell you, God wants to endued you with power from on high. God wants to endued you with power from on high. God's calling you to, to not serve two masters, but he'll give you the strength to do it. It's a mighty task. And I want to tell you what we're facing in America, what we're facing in the church in America, we're going to need the power of God on our lives like never before. We're going to need the anointing of God like never before. I want to tell you tonight, if you need a touch from God, we're going to open up our altars right now and give you an opportunity to, to receive from God. God is a good God. He gives good gifts. Jesus said if, if, if one of his children asks for the Holy Ghost, he's not going to give them a scorpion. He's going to give them the Holy Ghost. He's going to give you what you need. God knows. You know, God knows my deficiency. God knows your deficiency. He knows what you need. And what he's looking for is someone to come and be willing to let go of the things that need to be let go of and receive the things that need to be received. Tonight, if you need to receive from God, lay down a burden. We open up our altars. It's a place where you can come. I, I, I say just have a talk with Jesus. Get right with Jesus, whatever you need to do. These, This altar is between you and your Savior. If you want me to pray with you, lay hands on you, whatever. I'll be right here in the middle, but we'll open it up for you right now. Father, I thank you for your people gathered here tonight, Lord. Thank you for the spirit of God in this place tonight. Thank you for the sweet, holy presence, God, as, we, as we've as we ministered the word, as we've worshiped tonight, Lord. I felt the Holy Spirit through this whole place. I pray, God, that you would have your way tonight, God, that you would stir us up, God, that we can be the people you've called us to be. You've not called us to be bystanders or spectators in these last days, but you've called us Us to be Holy Ghost filled, anointed men and women of God that you can use to prophesy, to preach, to go and publish the gospel in the highways and byways, to live a holy and contrite life that you would be glorified in these days, God. We ask, Lord, as we open up these altars, that you would move in Jesus' name.